Hello and welcome to the 112th episode of the Business Lens. My name is Greg Voss. I'm the Vice President of Operations for the St. John's County Chamber of Commerce and I'm here with Bob Porter, our Vice President of Public Policy. So Bob, you want to give us a quick rundown of what we're going to discuss today on this edition of the Business Lens? Uh, sure, Greg. Uh, quite simply, we're in the uh, end stages of the legislative session in Tallahassee. Uh, the state legislature uh, is scheduled to adjourn on May 3rd, so we've got about three weeks left in the session. I thought we could spend some time talking about uh, issues that we have been involved with with the legislature that directly affect the business community, and then just depending on time, uh, there are a couple of local issues I'd like to, to kick around as well. Sure. So let's uh, let's get right into that. As you mentioned there's there's three weeks uh, left in the session, give or take, and um, and this is generally the time that they start to work at a more accelerated pace uh, to try to try to get things done. So let's just take these one at a time. The commercial rent tax, the this has been sliding down for it was at six percent in 2018. Correct. That's right. And um, and so 5.7% in 2019, and then at 5.35% uh, uh, next year. What does it mean to to business owners and operators, and what they can expect? And then what what, what does it mean to the state, and and what the state will have to do to, to cover for the uh, for for the uh, tax decrease? Those are actually two very good questions. I'm glad you uh, put it like that. Um, Florida is the only state in the country that uh, charges sales tax on your commercial lease. So if you lease office space, you lease storefront space, whatever, you're paying uh, a tax on the value of that, uh, on the value of that lease. Um, every other state in the country that had it had gotten rid of it. Florida, the Florida legislature has been trying to ratchet that down over the last um, five, seven years, the problem is very simple on a macro level. It brings in too much money. Uh, as Greg mentioned, um, this year the legislature is continuing its what I call the painfully slow stair step yeah. reduction in the rate uh, from 5.7% down to 5.35%, but even that minuscule reduction is going to cost the state a hundred million dollars in tax loss revenue. So you get a sense of how important it is. It's not that people want to keep the tax; they just can't figure out how you make up that kind of money. You have you have figures that that represent the the, the impact to commercial renters as well. I heard that it could mean, uh, in terms of saving renters of commercial property, I think fifty four fifty five million was was the number I'd heard from Florida Tax Watch for this year. And then after that, I, I think the number was like 100, 100 million, million or plus. more. So yeah, so your 100 right. million number uh, with, with how the legislature has to respond uh, is, is making up that number that's obviously and, and that, saved. And that figure will probably go up as commercial rents increase because you're being charged a percentage of whatever <laughs> you're... Yeah, you see, you, one, one directly affects the, the other. Uh, so affordable housing is another, another one that we're following. So I know we've talked about this before, but can you just explain one more time what affordable housing is and what affordable housing isn't? That's also a really good question. If you uh, recall back in the 
60s and the 1970s, you mentioned the word affordable housing and you had visions of these high-rise, low-income apartment buildings that dotted the Chicago and New York skylines. Mm. Move fast forward to the 21st century, what we're talking about with affordable housing is basically, uh, and there's actually a formula in Florida law that defines what affordable housing is, but we're basically talking about housing that the average middle-class worker, a cop, a firefighter, a school teacher, a nurse, um, can afford to pay. Um, And St. John's County does have a problem after two hurricanes and after the huge number of people coming into the county is increasing a demand for uh, houses that are way above the ability of, say, a firefighter or a teacher who's making thirty-five or $40,000 a year to be able to buy. And that's obviously an issue that, that we are very interested in here, um, just because everybody wants to live here, uh, uh, like you said. And, and it's, a, it's a good problem to have that people want to live here, but at the same time, there are, there are uh, unintended consequences of that. And uh, everybody's got to have a place to live, too. Well, exactly. And if you, if you think about it, our largest single employment sector in the county is tourism. And you include restaurants, hotels, all the attractions. Those are typically not the highest paying jobs, uh, especially at the entry level uh, position. So from a business perspective, if the employers in St. John's County can't attract the people to work in the B&Bs and the hotels and the restaurants and the shops uh, because they can't afford to live here, uh, it directly impacts our ability to uh, uh, continue to uh, attract a workforce. So moving on to the uh, to the next I- issue on our list is the vacation rental um, legislation. And, and this is the, the legislation that would essentially allow the state to take control from municipalities uh, with respect to, uh, I guess, regulating um, the vacation rental industry, correct? Yeah, this is, uh, did, uh, people are familiar with it more, uh, they call it the uh, Airbnb bill. And essentially, under Florida law right now, um, municipalities, local governments are given the authority to regulate Uh, rental properties within their jurisdictions. There's been an effort over the last, um, really the last two years, uh, to move uh, that patchwork frame of regulation, because remember, we've got 67 counties, and I forget how many municipalities in the state of Florida, and if each one of them set up a different standard for what was a vacation rental home, how long could it be? Um, We've even heard from some of uh, uh, the chamber members who uh, live in communities with uh, homeowners associations and their covenants do not allow for vacation rental homes of say less than a week at a time. If this legislation uh, had become law, um, essentially all these HOAs would now be affected, which I, I think is an unintended consequence right. um, of the whole issue. But it's basically a uh, it's a preemption issue, a, a preemption of local government authority, and it's not just happening in vacation rental homes; it's happening in other areas which, as well. Which, which naturally pits the 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 city and the county against the state um, because of the the 
philosophical discussion on, on local control versus versus more uh, centralized uh, government control. Well, and it does make for an amusing discussion philosophically because you have a Republican-controlled legislature in Tallahassee basically telling the local towns and counties that we in Tallahassee know better for what you should be doing than you do, yeah. which runs yeah. completely counter to... It, it runs uh, counter to the conservative ideology. Absolutely, absolutely. And how about, uh, how about Enterprise Florida? Where does that stand? What's the fate of that? Are we kind of in a holding pattern on that one? Uh, that that's another one that seems to be an ongoing discussion every session, uh, along with uh, with Visit Florida. The fate of Enterprise Florida is always on the on the table for discussion. Yeah, very true. Um, Enterprise Florida again. For those of you who don't follow this issue quite as closely, is the economic development arm of the state of Florida government. It has provided and passed everything from market intelligence to different counties around the state who are trying to bring corporate headquarters and new businesses in. It has also provided uh, loan programs and grant programs. Um, and frankly, it a lot of the arguments you hear against Enterprise Florida are the same ones you hear against uh, Visit Florida, that the state shouldn't be involved in this kind of effort and that people are going to come to Florida anyway. Right. Uh, so why are we encouraging them to do it? Um, and frankly, Enterprise Florida's budget has been cut so much over the last four years that uh, the betting money right now is that Enterprise Florida may simply just not exist uh, after this year and that the private sector will have to essentially re revise it as a as a 501c3 nonprofit fill the void that's being left when if if that that program gets cut and you've mentioned this before uh, Florida constitution requires that the legislator does submit a balanced budget to the governor by July 1 and if that doesn't happen bob where does the state of Florida go if that doesn't happen? It, it goes from uh, uh, full drive to full stop immediately. Um, you will recall earlier this year the uh, federal government shut down for a period of time. Right. Because yeah, I think I remember the that. The president and the Congress <laughs> could agree on a lot of things. The federal government continued operating, though, because they have the ability that Florida doesn't have, which is the ability to print money. Mm -hmm. And right. so if on July 1 the budget is not signed by the governor, the state of Florida government shuts down. So, so just a couple more things, one related to the county, one related to the city. The first is uh, the, the county commission and the, and the, the beach renourishment um, situation. Do you, have, uh, do you have anything to, to add to that? I know it's been a topic of conversation in, in public policy meetings. Yeah, it's it's been a long-standing issue really since uh, the last, uh, uh, the hurricanes of 2016 and 2017. It's a question of how does St. John's County, which interestingly is one, one if not the only county that has uh, coastal access, uh, does not have a beach renourishment standard beach maintenance program. Every other yeah county that is on the ocean does. Uh, what that has forced us to do is uh, go after federal money and federal emergency money to go after county matching money and in some cases uh, uh, even set up special taxing authority for people who live at the beaches so they can contribute. What happened uh, late last month is that the uh, county commission 
um, debated and brought up a proposal to attempt to add another percentage to the St. Johns County, uh, the so-called bed tax, which is uh, uh, the tax that tourists pay uh, when they come into our county and either stay at a B&B or stay at a hotel or stay at a, a vacation rental home. That money is spent by the county to promote tourism and also it is used to pay for the county share of beach renourishment and beach replenishment since we don't have an ongoing uh, program. But the county commission uh, could not muster the votes to add an additional 1% to the, uh, to the bed tax. And in turn, what they did was take um, a look at the uh, percent of the, uh, of the bed tax and have basically rebalanced it to come up with enough money uh, by taking money from other programs that they're doing to match the federal government's contribution so that hopefully by 2020 we will start seeing the beach renourishment uh, programs kick in. And lastly, finally, uh, April 29th, City of St. Augustine Beach Commission. Uh, I know this is an issue you've been probably gotten more acquainted with than you ever thought you would. Uh, just they, they want to discuss an ordinance, or they're going to discuss an ordinance, on the sale of uh, single-use plastic bags and plastic straws within the city limits. Um, talk to us a little bit about what's driving that, sort of where you see this going uh, from here, how you think, um, how you think the discussion's going to go on April 29th. This is uh, actually a, a little piece of a much larger issue that a number of cities in Florida have been facing over the last uh, four or five years. Uh, the city of Coral Gables implemented a similar ban on the sale or the use of uh, single-use plastic bags. The city of Gainesville did it late last year. A number of other cities around uh, the state are starting to try to address that issue really from an environmental perspective. The city of St. Augustine Beach, being a beachside community, looking at it from you know, its effect on marine animals, its effect on fish, uh, and just the general trash component of the plastic uh, straws and, uh, and the plastic bags. And the commission has been wrestling with the idea of banning uh, outright uh, the use of these products within the city limits of the city of St. Augustine Beach, which has caused a little bit of a problem because there are two major supermarkets, for example, within or literally a hundred yards across the A1A from each other. One of them is in the city, one of them isn't in the city, yet people shop at both. Yeah. So there, there's some fairness issues involved. Um, the other issue that the commission is uh, uh, going to try to take up one more time is uh, the issue of paid parking uh, at the beach, and that is uh, a perennial uh, problem, especially with the increased numbers of people coming to the beach and coming into St. John's County. It's that time of year down, too, where you're going to see a lot more of it. So, Well, we thank you, Bob. Appreciate uh, sitting down with you and doing this uh, once again. That is all we have for you on this edition of The Business Lens, and we will see you next time.